It's Saturday night and we're wrapping up yet another month in comedy. And that means it's time again for the roundup. This week on the panel, we recap March Mania with Canada's own comedy godfather. His notorious touring partner who's been pushing boundaries and pulling no punchlines for decades. A Toronto crowd killer who graduated from purse wine to table wine on her sophomore album. And one of our favorite headliners from the GTA. It's filth and loathing in suburbia. I'm Dean Young. And we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And as always, streaming all over the entire goddamn known universe if you have the internets on Global News Online. This week's episode is, of course, brought to you by Absolutely Not a Soul. We have been season seven and a half, and we are officially sponsor free and open for biz. We are, and trust us, this is a Canadian comedy radio show on pseudo conservative talk radio. So, guess what? We aren't picky. Do you have a food truck? <laughs> Some sort of a corner store in Scarborough? We, quite frankly, at this point, we don't give a. Shit. We're just going into season eight, and uh, come at us. We'll, you, we're open to all. You offers. mean we the places I bought these glasses are no longer a sponsor? That's right. No more. We had seven and a half seasons of Hakeem Optical, <laughs> but you know, Kenny Robinson, we're we're graduating now. We got our producer Vince Tedesco on the line. It is, of course, Vince. The end of yet another month in comedy. This year's already flying by so far, but that means, of course, it is time again for the roundup. Yes, quite the panel we have. Um, a lot of the. A lot of the OGs, a lot of the guys who and girls who obviously uh, have made a name for themselves in the Toronto comedy scene, but uh, fan favorites of the show, we love to have them all on, and they're all on together. So All on together, and it is a good, we've got, of course, the voice you heard earlier, uh, Canada's own notorious comedy godfather, Kenny Robinson, is back. We've, of course, had him on a few times during the last couple seasons of isolations and lockdowns one of our old returning favorites who we were mentioning before we hit the air today actually darren frost who was actually our last ever in studio yes yes collapse of society how is that how about that before the world before the world ran out of febreze so you couldn't clean the room (laughs) that's right we had darren frost and lewis black and then a week later we just started doing the show from our garage or wherever so there you go and never to return Uh, another one of our favorites crystal farrier is on the air right now how you doing crystal Great. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Of course, we've zoomed in to a couple of these these past couple seasons. Again, after bygone times when you'd actually be in a radio studio physically around other human beings. And of course, last but not least, another guest who joined us in studio in the past and is now releasing her sophomore comedy album, Table Wine. I love that, by the way. Tamara Siobhan. Hi. I love it. Last time we had you in studio, you you were plugging purse wine, which was of course yeah. your debut album at the time. So you graduated from purse wine to table wine. I'm more mature now. The, your third album moved. is going to be like a whole vineyard. Yeah, that's the last one. Just the vineyard. That'll be the tour. You should do a you could do a vineyard <laughs> tour. Yeah, starting in Niagara, you know what it is. <laughs> yeah, all the BQA wines. There we go. So it is a full panel. Lots to get into. Lots to recap from this past month in comedy, politics, pop culture, and just the absolute garbage fire that is the the world around us. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Roundup right here on Inside Jokes. We got a full panel of absolute crowd killers, touring headliners, showrunners, producers here in the GTA, people dropping new albums. Uh, lots to get into from this past month, but the first one I wanted to get into is this Chris Rock special. So again, as I was saying, Chris Rock dropped Netflix's first ever live streaming stand-up special on that platform. I was curious how many comics on this panel actually tuned into that, what you thought, because of course the big topic that everybody really wanted him to tackle was last year's now infamous Oscars slap, which at the time brought up a lot of conversation about is free spe- is it dangerous for comics to speak their minds now? And is this a trend of like, go up and hit a comedian, which I thought was kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. But the other thing I was curious about what everybody thought is, Chris Rock has never lost any credibility or any hype, but that sort of water cooler moment of him getting attacked live at the Oscars in front of a worldwide audience did certainly bring his name back into the press in a big way. If Netflix was going to do their first ever live streaming special, if that would have happened pre-Oscars slap, do we think Chris Rock would have necessarily been the first choice for that? That's what I want to think. So I'll throw that to the entire panel right there. Did you see it? What did you think? And do you think that kind of was a career boost for Chris Rock? I saw I mean, that, and yeah. I think it's hard to say it was a, a career boost because the guy, I saw him uh, when he did his tambourine tour and was sold out Air Canada Center. So, uh, you know, if you're doing that pre-getting slapped, then, you know, I don't... And and then he had done uh, such great work um, on uh, on the TV show. Uh, uh, what was the one? They, they, the takeoff of, of the movie, the Cohen brothers, they had a TV series. Fargo. Fargo, oh, Fargo yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was great on Fargo. So, I mean, it isn't like as if he was just pulled from nowhere. It wasn't like as if, oh, Dane, Dane Cook is back in the news. Right, yeah. <laughs> Gone for bed. <laughs> You know, and I think if Dane Cook got slapped, I don't think anybody would really be upset. They go, hit him again. <laughs> so um, I think Chris was, you know, was on the money. Now, uh, you know, was he their number one choice? Well, probably uh, probably because Chappelle and Burr may not have been ready to saddle up because they both have recently cranked out. You know, Burr had something within the past year and uh, Chappelle cranked out a lot of stuff and said he wasn't doing anything for a while. So hard to say. That is true. And I mean, it's it's true, Kenny. It's not like Chris Rock has ever gone anywhere. He's still been selling out theaters and dropping specials and all that stuff. And he's always had a massive, you know, built-in audience. It certainly brought his name back to the forefront in a big way. But again, I mean, before that, you know, before Will Smith strolled up to the stage and clocked him one, he was presenting at the Oscars for a reason. He's always been Chris Rock. Yeah, he used to host the Oscars. Did you know that Jimmy Walker's been outside the Smith's mansion yelling bald head jokes at Jada, hoping that Will <laughs> come out and smack him and revive his career? <laughs> it was such a you know you know what was funny yeah, too. You is... don't have any hair. You know why? Because you got hit in the head with dynamite, and still no response. It's very sad. <laughs> And well, one thing that, and actually it's interesting because we do have Darren Frost on this panel, who quite notoriously here in Canada, I mean, you've certainly talked about it on stage a lot and on the air over the years is, sure. you know, very notoriously one time you had a pint glass whipped at you in London at the old Yucks. And it's like, there was this oh. whole conversation that happened last year where a lot of comics were like, whoa, are we going to just get attacked now? Is it dangerous to say what we say? It's That's not really anything new, though. This was just shocking because it was two very famous people at the Oscars. Well, and it was also on the most televised event of the year. Right? Exactly. Like, I got I got attacked in front of 30 drunks in London, Ontario. Ain't the same kind of pop, you know? Uh, and actually, I've been I've been had two glasses whipped at me over the years. So I'm there. Uh, we go. 
It's like get in line, Chris Rock. Um, for me, the whole Chris Rock special is the same thing as the Dave Chappelle specials that have happened over the last two or three years. I actually refuse to watch any of them. I watched it just for the show so I can participate, but I really don't want to. And I'll tell you why. I like both comics, but I don't like taking sides. And no matter right. what you feel about these comics or what they're throwing out there, you then have to take a side and then you have to justify everything you say from that moment forward. So I refuse to watch any of the Dave Chappelle specials or Chris Rock special. I watch clips, specific things where people said, what do I think about this specific joke? I did so I could give a comment on it for that moment. But yeah. overall... I just don't like having to take sides. My personal opinion is my personal opinion. I don't want to sit there and have to fight for it. I think it's interesting too, just how this is going to maybe change the dynamic of releasing specials. Do we think this was kind of, I mean, obviously there was a bit of, it was a bit of a test drive in a lot of ways because this had never been done on that platform, but are we going to see more of these live streaming specials? Is there, obviously there's a big audience for it. I mean, people are talking about how Netflix might crash that weekend when this thing was airing. Maybe we're going to see more of this happening, though. I mean, obviously, especially during the last few years during the pandemic, Netflix is overloaded with recorded specials. It's a huge platform for that. I don't know. What do we think? Are we going to see more of these live streams? Is there enough of a mass audience for that out there to actually tune in live to this stuff? Because we sort of live in the era now where we're moving away from that. It's cheap content. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Let other people talk. It's cheap content. Netflix will continuously do this just like Amazon and Crave and everywhere else. It's the cheapest content that you can produce that can go on a national scale and look professional. Like these aren't $500 million shoots. Like for a movie now, these are $1 to $2 million. They can crank them out. Bill Burr's got ready. Let's get it in the pipeline and put it out there. Yeah. That's true. Tamara and Crystal, did we tune into this? Like, what do you, and is there that excitement? Do you think of tuning into an actual live streaming special? Because again, we've kind of, we're kind of living in the era now where it's like, I want to be able to watch exactly what I want, when I want and watch it in snippets because nobody has any attention span anymore. Everything has to be five seconds long and TikTokable. Do you <laughs> see this actually becoming a thing? Yeah, I, I don't hope know. Not. I feel like it's, yeah, I, I, I agree. Tamara. I hope not. Cause I feel like it's, <laughs> gonna kill that live audience that we work so hard to build right what do you you can stay home and watch a superstar and with your regular whatever 11.99 whatever it is now netflix monthly you know fee i mean what are we saying right it's just it's so easily available are they gonna come out and actually watch us where our audience is gonna go right and i also feel like that whole that was a year after the slap like i don't want to watch you talk about this a year later like nobody cares that I was strange too. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. It really was. That was strange. It was like, was were people really waiting with bated breath for an entire year to be like, what will what will he say? It's not like Louis C.K. coming out and being like, okay, finally I'm gonna talk about the masturbating thing. You know, this is like <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll wait five years for that, or some people will, you know. But this was kind of like it was kind of strange. It was like yeah, yeah it was the week later. before the Oscars, so well, it was timing. That is timely. It's like, are they going to, what will happen at this year's Oscars? How zany will it get? And then. Who's getting beat up this year? Who's getting they beat didn't up? They have any black people hosting, so they got no rid one. of the violence. They were yeah. carding. They were carding <laughs> black comics. <laughs> Next year it'll be Cardi B hosting the Oscars. Uh, we're going to come back with more of our roundup panel. Again, lots to get into. March was a very interesting month on stage and off. We'll be back with more inside jokes right here on 640 Toronto.
Hey, this is Kenny Robinson, and guess what you're doing? You're listening to Inside Jokes. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they tried to make me go to rehab. I to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, streaming coast-to-coast, Canada-wide on Global News Online. It is the end of yet another month in comedy, and that means it is time again for the roundup. We have a full panel of some of our absolute favorite crowd killers weighing in on March Mania, all of the strange things that happened this past month in comedy, politics, pop culture, the news, and just the steadily imploding world that we all currently live in. Uh, Here's another sort of big topic that happened this past week in comedy. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this one, to be honest, but good for him. Adam Sandler was given the Mark Twain Award for comedy, which is, of course, a very prestigious lifetime award. Um, I don't know. I have kind of divided. I mean, again, good for him. I'm happy for him. And he certainly has had a long career these past few decades. I mean, he's he's a hardworking guy. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Again, I want to see any comic get achieve something like that. And not to say it's not deserved. Um, Adam Sandler's interesting because I I always enjoyed his comedy origins. Am I that audience that is watching these Happy Madison films that he cranks out? Because he does have a built-in audience there. But I'm am I watching like Jack and Jill or whatever these movies that he or Grandma's Boy, all this stuff? I don't think I'm the the audience for that. It seems like an interesting choice though for the Mark Twain Award. What do we think about that? Because Adam's interesting too because you watch these movies that he pops out, which which are very much for sort of I don't know a college age, whatever, his built-in audience that he has. He's also a very good dramatic actor. I mean, he's a talented guy. And of course, we all know his comedy roots. We all watched him on SNL. We all know his early albums. So it's kind of a divided point there. What do we all think about him picking up this Mark Twain Award? The whole, the whole thing for me is that when you look at this award in the past, it's been given to people like like Dave Chappelle got it last year or the year before. Uh, you know, Carlin, we're talking about comics that generally are hard-hitting kind of i don't want to say truth tellers but you know what i mean like material based comedians and i wouldn't say adam sandler is that he is definitely more of a kind of steve martin kind of silly type comedian Mm -hmm. and it's easy (laughs) to sit in my tree and go well it's about the truth tellers but you know what for every truth teller there has to be the silly comics too because that makes variety right and variety is important in comedy so it's easy for me to snipe it and go, yeah, well, he's, uh, he just makes fart jokes. Well, you know what? Fart jokes make people laugh. And there's a there's a market for that, too. And he's been around yeah. a long time. And, you know, I'm 52 years old now, 30 years in this game. And the one thing I really appreciate is comics that treat other comics well and bring them in. Yeah. And you're not going to find anyone that's done that more than Adam Sandler for his generation of comedians. So something has to be said for that. That's the thing, too, because, yeah, like you said, Derek, like, and it's so true, a lot of the recipients of this reward all the, over the years, their comedy has always been very sort of a reflecting glass on society and very sort of from a philosophical element. No, Adam Sandler's not that. But again, you can't really get on the guy because he is, by all accounts, just a genuine down-to-earth good dude who's great towards his fellow comics. And you kind of like, yeah, I love SNL era Adam Sandler. I love those early albums. I love, you know, his first couple of movies that he when he started making them. But you have to sort of look at it and know you're not 
maybe the audience that he's aiming at anyways for this stuff, right? Like, am I going to go and watch Grown Ups 2 or, you know, no. Jack Jill or whatever? No, I'm not, but I'm aware of that. I'm not going to rag on him for making that stuff. He obviously has an audience that he's built over the years and they're very loyal to him. So good for yeah, him. But it's not like the genuine nice guy award, right? Like it's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, of course, of course. <laughs> like That's nice for him. But... but without Adam Sandler, we'd have no Hanukkah song. All those Christmas carols, but no Hanukkah song without Adam Sandler. Yeah, we wouldn't uh, have no, funny really. people. The movie, <laughs> you know. Plus, I I don't know. I think I read somewhere that his movies have like grossed like a billion dollars. So I mean, he did some movie uh, recently where he bought all his co-stars Lamborghinis. Okay, so you know maybe it's not you know the Carlin or the Chappelle. Maybe, but you know what? Maybe it is a perfect example of what we truly are. You know, I mean, you know, it's chewing gum. Yeah. You know, so who chews gum? Lawyers chew gum, hockey players chew gum, children and presidents of the United States, they give gum to their, uh, to, uh, uh, to the girl in the blue dress, you know? So, um, you know, so it's, it's fine, you know, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit for everybody. I mean, I remember, um, you know, bringing my young kids to see, uh, uh, Sandler movies Then you know, I can't remember the last time I watched one. Oh, it was not a typical item. He was, uh, kind of like in a mob movie where he owned a pawn shop and, um, and a gold jeweler and all that stuff. It was a yeah. heist movie a couple of years ago. Uncut came gems, out. uncut yeah. gems. Oh, right. yeah. And he, he acted his ass off in that, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, so... That's the thing too. Like uh, when people started seeing him, I think it was uh, what Punch Drunk Love was sort of the yeah, big one. People were like, yeah. you know, and it was like, wow, he's got some acting chops. And now, now I kind of, I look forward to an Adam Sandler dramatic role when they pop up. Like Rain Over Me was another one where I think he got the Oscar nod for that. So I mean, yeah, he's yeah. a he is a multifaceted, multi talented dude. Maybe it also points to the fact that I think right now, especially after the last couple of years, I mean. It's a we scary time that we're living in. So I think yeah. it points to the fact that we also just kind of want maybe just some escapism and some lightheartedness in our comedy maybe right now, because it is good to have that sort of reflecting glass on society and to sort of, you know, reflect all these things that are going on. You kind of just need to be able to dim the lights for 90 minutes and escape that shit once in a while. And that's what Adam Sandler's kind of comedy is, because we're living in a world right now where it's like pandemic and riots in the streets and world war three might be starting and nuclear talk and the climate can we compare him to jerry lewis yeah yeah of course so there you go yeah, yeah. Jerry lewis? yeah i mean the french it's a good comparison you know, they always gave jerry lewis awards in france whereas in north america we <laughs> waited for labor day but i mean you know when he was cranking out all those movies after the medine party what have you you know they're still remaking them you can That's you can true. spend all your day watching shows like Succession and all these deep series dramas, but if you go on Netflix, almost the number one shows are always too hot to handle. Love Island, like brain yeah. dump shows, brain dump, and I'm and I watch them with my wife too because sometimes I don't want to follow a plot. I just want to watch people do stupid things. I miss and that's sure. entertainment too. <laughs> but to Darren's point, I mean, the truth tellers. How many more are left? So, like, who do they honor next year? There's though. Here's the thing. There's lots of truth tellers still, mm -hmm. but you know they're not getting the light on them right now. Comedy's in waves right now. That's not really the hot thing because everyone's thinking it's all Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle right now. They're looking for something else. I mean, Kenny probably can talk about other ones that he follows that are truth tellers that are that are more in line. Well, and do you th I mean, even now for all of you on this panel, when you're going out and doing shows right now, I mean, of course. You know, it's really only the last year and a half where everything fully reopened again and the clubs are back and the festivals are back and people are dropping new albums and da-da-da-da-da. 
do you get that sense from audiences right now where you people are going back to a where they just really want to be able to go into a comedy club and laugh for an hour and a half, two hours and forget about the real world for a night because we've just in, been inundated with so much just dark shit and this never ending news cycle. I think there's audiences going out right now and they just want some sort of escape from all that stuff right now. Oh yeah, for sure. I think we're moving away from all this like woke stuff all the time. Like everyone's getting so offended. I think people are just ready to laugh again and not really care about the context as much, which I think we needed to have a little bit more of. It was so far on the other side for so long. It kind of was. And even we were doing that to our, we were in this weird trend, you know, pre-pandemic, we were kind of doing that to ourselves in comedy. Like I was bringing this up on the show last week. It's, we were almost at a point going just before the pandemic where it was kind of getting hard to tell the difference between some of these Netflix stand-up specials and storytelling specials and a university lecture. Like everything felt like it had to have a yeah. moral and a theme and a lesson attached. Yeah. Like Why I remember Nanette, a thesis. <laughs> it felt I remember Nanette and I watched it because it was the talk of the time and we were talking about it on this show back when we were in the studio. And I watched it and I was like, okay, I get it and I respect it. But to me, I felt like I was watching kind of a TED talk. That's what it felt like for me at the time. I was like, I get it. I get why there's an audience and good for them for producing this. Fine. But it felt like there was a lot of that at the time. And I think you're right, Tamara. I mean, especially now with you going and recording and releasing this album, it's like, I think we have sort of swung back around from that where audience, audiences are coming out. And they're going, you know, what? I just spent two years listening to albums and podcasts and specials. I just want to go to a comedy club yeah. and be able to laugh for, for a night and forget about all this shit. Yeah, I totally agree. It's actually, it's been nice. All of my shows have been sold out. I think people are just ready to get back outside. Like every show you go to, there's way more people than there were before because they're like, okay, I really need a laugh, which I think that, you know, that's the good thing about comedy. You have the opportunity to like <laughs> let people escape for a bit, right? And if they don't want to escape to the same thing they're watching on the news. I mean, Crystal, obviously you've always, you know, I mean, you you come into the city, but you work and perform in the suburbs as well. You've always produced shows out there. What do you think? Do you feel when you go out now that you're, getting a bit of a new audience that maybe didn't go and watch live stand up before or didn't occur to them. And now they're coming out because they've been listening and watching all this stuff. And now the, now the, now it's springtime and we've thawed from the pandemic and now people just want to get out and watch live comedy again. Yes. And there's also that social media trend that's really taken over, right? That people that haven't been to comedy shows are coming out to comedy shows based on content on TikTok or Instagram and things like that. So we're definitely getting, different audience is coming to see us also I think that different shows are labeling who they are so like the safe shows are labeling themselves the wild shows are labeling themselves and I love that yeah cool like if you want to have safe spots go ahead and if you're a person that's offended easily then go to that that's cool yeah uh, you know I I do like that everything is out there for everyone to see so there's warnings and and people know what they're getting into you know even then they don't though yeah I mean, yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, like I did a, sh I was on a show, and I thought the title was clear that it's going to be pushing the boundaries. And uh, you know, in uh, three minutes into my set, uh, I had a woman crying. And, uh, <laughs> two minutes no, later, two minutes later, ex she was leaving ex the girl building, or something, Kenny, smoking <laughs> cigarettes, crying. No, go <laughs> And you know, so I said, "Well, what do you expect? It says so in the title." And then, well, I've been doing this shit 45 years. 
uh, not my fault that you haven't been in, that you've never heard the name before, you know. So uh, there's still no guarantee that they're uh, that you know you can tell them something and they still don't uh, catch on. I mean, Darren and I've been going by the name of Rank and Vile for shows, wow. and you know I dare say we still had people come in and go, "Well, we didn't know what that meant." Oh my god! <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I it's mean, wild. before we go to break too, it's yeah. I mean, you guys have been taking Rank and Vile back and forth across the country for years, and very much promoting it for what it is and not shy about it. Like come to this show. We don't filter ourselves. Just be warned, but come and enjoy it. And uh, people forget too in comedy. It's like, guess what? Not everything is for everyone in the first place. You know, like not everybody's going to like your shit. That's fine. I don't like every song on the radio, but I don't phone the radio station go, never play that song again. I don't like that song. Cause yeah, that's fine. Not everything. So like food, like a restaurant, instead of a restaurant saying it's Chinese, it's Thai, it's Indian comedy just says food. And then you go in there and you go, this is really spicy. I'm never coming back here again. I said, well, sorry, but you you ordered from the Mexican platter. What did you think? I've always always said, you know, it's like a haunted house. Don't come in and complain that the bad man scared you. You know, we've we've marketed a certain way. We've done our job. If you can't read or want to do the research, you have your phone in your hand. You can look me up 24-7 before you come in and spend your 20 or 30. There we go. All right. What a perfect time to go to break. Uh, I got some Canadian stuff I want to get into with our panel. We're going to come back with more of our March Roundup. Filth and loathing in suburbia, right here on Inside Joe. Hey, this is Tamara Siobhan. You're listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, streaming all over the known universe on Global News Online. If you happen to be at home and have the internet, it is, of course, the end of another month in comedy. And that means it is the roundup. Lots to unpack from this past month on and off stage with our panel. Uh, We're going to flip it to here at home in Canada. A little bit of award show controversy. Well, I don't know. I could use that term loosely. At least award show controversy as far as Canadian award shows go. So the Junos this past week, Avril Lavigne was on stage and was crashed by a streaker. Uh, which again, that's sort of the spiciest thing that I think has maybe ever in history happened at a Canadian award show. I don't know. Is that a prominent enough platform to go and stir up and cause ruckus? I mean, certainly in the comedy world, the Junos have become an important platform for us again the last few years. Comedy albums came back a few years ago. We've seen all these independent labels just constantly flood that category. A lot of comics we all know and work with taking those home the last few years. Uh, controversy at the Junos, though. What do we all think? Do we think that's a big enough platform to stir up? Was anybody well, really shocked by that? We're, we're still we're still talking about it, number one. We're and talking you, about if it. You, if you look back at the Junos history, the last time we talked about Junos is when Russell Peters got into trouble for some of his jokes. Yeah. And if you look back before that, the last time we talked about the Junos when the Bare Naked Ladies and the whole that controversy yeah. of their name and all that stuff with the Junos and they won the year and all that. So <laughs> you know you what? Know, the Junos are a safe spot. They're a safe, they are. But you know what? The Bare Naked Ladies... <laughs> 
What always bothered me about them is they fired the one guy that did coke. The only thing that made them kind of a rock band, and now they're just raffy for adults. That's what they are now. Anyway, so you know, with the Junos, everybody's talking about the woman, you know, being bare chested. Problem is, what was written on her body? What yes. was she talking about? Right. Saving our green belt. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, if you can't flash your, your boobs to save our green belt, then there's no point in flashing them at any other parade that people go to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know the woman. I wish I did. I think she's become a household name. I think oh, boy. Be, I think there should be boobs for the green belt. I think that, you know, that because uh, when you think about it, Ford and all of his buddies, they're talking about, you know, making housing, but it's going to be high price housing. And once again, it's going to be by his buddies, in yeah. the, in the, the real estate developers. And then pretty soon when, you know, you have to go all the way to Manitoba to, to get anything grown from the soil, then we'll find out why. So, you know, I think the cause, uh, the, well, it's almost like Marxism. The cause justifies the means. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's true with Frosty Sex, too. Like, I will tell Boobs you guys this. I actually, it is, it is true, though. The only time we ever talk about this award show is when there's either controversy or some sort of Wait, weird thing around it. And the rest of the time we forget about it, right? Maybe that'll be our panel, our roundup next month, Vince, is we'll get, we'll get the Juno's shirtless lady and maybe here in Toronto we'll get like crane girl and chair throwing girl on the panel. I can, yeah, I can help you get her. She's my friend, actually. I actually Who know is? <laughs> The girl. The ch chair throwing girl? No, Avril Lavigne girl. Oh, really? You know her? Yeah, she she used to work at uh, a comedy club in Toronto. What? Well, that is. Oh, we well, probably all know this on, person. On, I didn't know that. We all know flashed, this person. Yeah. The woman who flashed her boobs at the Juno is your neighbor. No, she's one of my. Well, she's one of my friends. Yeah. Was a booker at a comedy club. Yeah. No, she uh, used to bartend at the corner. I think I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I yeah, know exactly. Her. We all know her. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just turns she out gave me oil of oregano one time when my throat was all messed up. But you know, you know what's really sad? <laughs> what, what's really wow. sad is, is we're taking all this time to talk about this and not who won the comedy award at the Junos. It's <laughs> true. On a show I about comedy. Won the comedy and, award? and after we tooth and nail for so many years, so many comics were like trying to get that comedy, that category back to the Junos. Sure. And it's true. It finally happened. And now I feel bad for John Doerr. He's not going to get the light shined on him. That is kind of true. Sorry. We again, it's a classic example, and even here on this actual radio show, yeah. of us just sort of ignoring the what the thing that's already swept under the carpet. To we begin asked with. John Doerr to be but on then, this episode. Then yeah. there has been some winners uh, that you know, uh, at, when other things have come to light, people yeah. are go. Oh yeah, well you know we, we don't really have to mention that anymore, do we? Well, yeah. hey, at least a bartender from a comedy club got famous on an award show. That's one step closer. <laughs> well, they've they've been making more money than the comics for years, so it's kind yeah. of kind of fitting. Yeah, fair I enough. Mean, that, that also made me think of another. Uh, you know, Sarah Pauly was also in the news this past week from the Oscars, and Sarah Pauly is an interesting character because Sarah Pauly, you know, she's been a filmmaker for years. Of course, we all knew her at first from growing up on Road to Avonlea, but then she became a filmmaker and a pretty, you know, noteworthy filmmaker. She's always oh, yeah. gotten accolades over the years. She's cranked out some great independent films. Um. With respect on both sides of the borders, she both sides of the border. I mean, she's worked. With, there's a lot of actors who like working with, but Sarah Pauly is an interesting example of something we've always talked about on this show, which is, is there such thing as quote unquote Canadian celebrity in showbiz? It's sort of that. It's like the tragically hip paradox. It's like here's a band that didn't make it stateside, but they became you know these godlike figures here in Canada. I mean, the entire country watched their final performance streamed live. 
But does that really happen in comedy and film in Canada? Do we have really those sort of household names that only live and work here at home? Isn't that what everybody on this panel has always been trying to sort of find in a way? Well, I mean, I've always said there's only probably five celebrity comics in this country at any one moment. And celebrity means they don't have a roommate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like I different generations. At one point it was, you know, Sean Cullen, Carla Collins. These were all, all kind of household names for their generation. And yeah. now there's probably younger versions of those. But in reality, this business loves to think that we're all out for each other and we're going to help each other and propel each other. But the business actually doesn't. The business actually works kind of backwards against it. I know we're going to talk about comedy clubs in a little bit, probably on the next thing, and that'll lead into this. But in reality, it's individuals that are going to make it for themselves, not the business. There we go. And actually, that's a perfect springboard into something I wanted to wrap up with our panel here. Uh, when we come back from our very much now sponsor-free commercial break... <laughs> We're going to come back and wrap it up with our March Roundup. Now uh, you can have sponsors. You have freedom, brah. We have freedom. Yeah. There There's we go. We can plug it. Like a up. trucker. Freedom. We can plug whoever we want. It's back to pure Canadian comedy where we just plug each other's stuff. I really had <laughs> poor phrasing there, by the way. Anyways, we're going to come back from break, wrap it up with our panel uh, right here, recapping it on Inside Jokes. Hey, this is little Darren Frost, the angriest man in show business, and you are listening to Inside Joe. Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and of course as always streaming Canada wide on the Global News Radio Network. It is the end of another month in comedy and that means we are wrapping it up with the roundup. It is filth and loathing in suburbia. We got a full panel of comics weighing in on all the happenings in comedy and pop culture and just the news this past month. Um, one thing though from an industry standpoint because we kind of got into this before the break with Darren Frost talking about you know Again, that never-ending question of, is there such a thing as household names in Canadian comedy and Canadian showbiz? And sure, a handful of people, as Darren's always mentioned on the show, but really, you know, it's hard to come by in this country. But how much has the game changed, do we think? I mean, Darren and Kenny on this panel, certainly you've seen crops of comics come and go. You've seen changes in the industries. You've seen bookers come and go and festivals change their ways and da-da-da, all this stuff. We're sort of in an interesting time now where, and maybe it is a bit of a double-edged sword, but there's a lot more independent record labels. You can build your own audience on all these platforms, especially during COVID. This was a fail-safe for a lot of comics. Like now you have TikTok, you have YouTube, you can stream your own stuff. You have digital platforms where people are building new audiences. I don't know. Do we think it's sort of a two-sided coin in a way for comedy? Because you can sort of take more financial control of your life as a comic right now. You can release your own stuff. You can put out content that goes viral. You can drop albums and specials and da, 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 da. But those festivals and those clubs and those gatekeepers still do very much exist. I mean, is it just sort of a, th as a comic now, do you sort of need a blend of both? Do you have to work within both those parameters now? I mean, you can work within both, but I tell every single comic not to, I tell almost every single comic to ignore comedy clubs now and just do your own thing. 
comedy clubs used to be like gyms where you went to kind of work out and then once in a while you can make some money. Now there's so many rooms that you can work out in. You don't have to have comedy clubs. So if you want to go on the road, why not you take the door? You do the, all the work. You go with two other comics and do the work like someone like Andrew Packer has done and, and other yeah. comics and they're very successful and they don't need comedy clubs. K. Trev Wilson, Dave Mahesh, they both did it without comedy clubs. And those are kind of now the old guard. You've got so many after them that don't need comedy clubs. I still perform in comedy clubs. I like it. I'm not against it. It's just an old format that I don't think is necessary anymore. It is kind of true. And I mean, I mean, Crystal, you've been p producing your own shows for years. Right. And I mean, Tamara, you record, this is now your second album that you recorded. And you were one of those comics that from day one came up in the corner, which the whole premise of that place was sort of an intimate New York style club, but also the anti-club. It sort of yeah. went against the grain of like, you got to go and showcase for these three bookers in the city and that's it. And you get on one or two stages and that's it. Comedy bar started off as that a decade ago as this alternative space. And now it's, now there's two comedy bars and now it's this hangout for everybody. So it is sort of this era where we're sort of moving away from that. And you know, those Tuesday nights down at Yucks where you would go and do amateur night and hope to like showcase for somebody and get signed. The pressure to do that and the prominence of doing that stuff really like, really does not hold as much as importance as it once did. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're going to jump through hoops, you're just going to do it for yourself. Like you're not going to do it for another club. There's no point. Like even putting out these albums, I did them by myself because at the end of the day, it's like, it just takes an extra two months to do something all by yourself and get everything that you deserve instead of cutting it with all these different people and having all these people gatekeep all you know, like your content. Right. So it is. And I mean, you know, nothing against the clubs here. I mean, we have them on this show and, you know, we know them and all that. But it is nice to see so many more inroads happening now and comics just being able to take charge of things themselves. None of us loved COVID. Obviously, everything went on pause. But what did <laughs> happen in Canadian COVID. comedy, because Canadian like comics it. are cockroaches, man. We're nothing but resilient. What I did happen? All my right? friends are dead and all my favorite places have gone under. So, <laughs> you know, there wasn't no difference between a regular day and COVID for me. You know, <laughs> if I get dressed up to go pick up my medicine. But uh, I find, though, the problem with so many independent shows now, it's mm -hmm. that um, that the the pay, you know, you can you can do eight shows in a week and grab uh, and grab one hundred dollars or fifty dollars at each show. Yeah. You know, these shows where it's you can walk New York. in and grab five hundred for the one forty five yeah. minute set. There's far and fewer of them now. So, um, you know, when you turn around, um, you know, I, I mean, I've got people, I have no idea who they are going, will you do my show? And uh, I, and I go, uh, where is it? And, you know, and I, and I look and I see, because my car got written off, can I get there by TTC? And, uh, and if the answer is yes, then I'll take it. Now I'm getting to the point where I got to take two trains and a go train, so no, I won't. So yeah. I think the problem is there are just so many um uh, um you know independently produced shows now that was one of the fears that the big clubs had before was a balkanization of uh of the business is what i think of it was referred to so you know it's you know it's it, it's a flip of the coin well it, it, for, for many more... years it was a two-party system right yeah comics are way more ballsy now i find like i remember back in the day when people were afraid to talk to kenny and now they're booking him. They're asking him to get on the movie show in their first year. Like, it's insane out here. So, I mean, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's money to be made. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning from a lot of young comics, to be honest, right? That you can make three times a club doing your own show. I got to make it scare to me again. 
to, yeah. <laughs> you do, <laughs> we'll actually. Bring it back. <laughs> and to end on a positive note, which we so rarely do on this show, one thing that I want to mention that is has been nice to see the last couple of years. I mean, as Darren Frost said, unfortunately, we do still overlook this stuff. But calling back to the Junos, looking at that comedy album category the last couple of years, you look at it, 90% of those nominees and winners, it's all comedy records, comedy here for often, 604 records, Howl and Roar, Cottage Comedy. It's all these independent labels that sprang up that are just sweeping this stuff. So that's good to see. Now all we have to do is actually pay more attention to that. Anyways, I can go on about this stuff with this panel all day. We have to wrap it up. Thank you so much for panel. Can we we one thing? We do have the yes. Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, and you can go to the website. I'm the president of it, and it's $25 for a lifetime membership, which allows you to vote and uh, write in nominees and what have you. And we always say, do we pay enough attention to Canadian comedy? The answer is no. Uh, it seems like unless they become American names, then we don't show any respect or love or appreciation for our homegrown. So, uh, you know, get with it, folks. There we go. Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, which, by the way, another fantastic thing that it's nice to see finally happening in this country. That is our panel. Kenny Robinson, Darren Frost, Crystal Ferrier, and of course, Tamara Siobhan. Check out that new album, Table Wine. It's gone from first wine to table wine. Check out the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. That is our show. That is our roundup. That is our panel. Don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes every Saturday night right here on 640, and you can catch all of them right back to the dawn of time on Global News Online. That is our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx is Tamara Siobhan. I'm having a good time. Like, I, li- I like being in this relationship. Um, I-, I realize that, like, certain things are touchy for us. Like, uh, voting came around. You ever vote with your partner and think that you already know how you're voting? That's a shocker for me. I was like, oh, my God, voting day, voting day. And he was like, voting day. We we're pointing at each other. It was super cute. We're, like, brushing our teeth and our his and hers, like, sinks. I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, okay, let's go. Get your voter card. He's like, I got my voter card. Do you got your voter card? I'm like, I got my voter card. And we're holding hands. We're walking down the street, swinging our arms, just, like, ready to cancel out each other's votes. <laughs> We left with no progress. <laughs> I was like, I know who didn't win, us. 